Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Every week we come together uh, addressing different topics that range from uh, ministry leadership to church history to missions to theology, and uh, sometimes we like to highlight topics that are related specifically to classes that we're teaching, and today we're going to be having a conversation about prayer and worship, which is in fact the title of a class that we offer here at LFBI that focuses on the theology behind prayer and worship, but also makes that theology practical in our lives in terms of becoming worshipers as a lifestyle, both in ministry and in our personal lives. And the instructor for that class is Eric Phillips. He is the praise leader and director at Midtown Baptist Temple and the professor of that course. And we are excited to have him here as always, Eric. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks Welcome. for inviting me back. People really loved the episode we did on singleness. Praise the Lord. One of the most um, watched and listened to episodes that we've done. Amen. That's good to hear. Yeah, very, very, very Glad good. It was a blessing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you, ha you wear many different hats. Um, you're not only just counseling, discipling, teaching in the Bible Institute, but you lead, you lead worship here at the church. And so the insights that you've gained over the years, have, you know, are things that we can glean from. Thank God. Let's start with the, the broadest question I guess I could possibly ask. And, mm -hmm. and that is what is worship and, and why is it important? What is worship and why is it important? So worship, I mean, you see the first mention of it in Genesis 22, is that mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. With Abraham and um, and him, you know, God telling him to to sacrifice his son and he, him telling the the people, hey, me and the lad are going to go yonder to worship. And and as you just study that out, right, the clear context is this, this obedience um, that's going to require a sacrifice, right? And this willingness to, to simply go and do it. Um, and because of uh, who's asking, which is which is God, and so worship really is is us acknowledging who God is in in our acts, uh, what we say, what we do um, in our heart, and um, it, it requires a sacrifice, and it's only for God. That's mm -hmm. important, right? Like worship is reserved exclusively for God, and we do it in acknowledgement of of who He is. With that in mind, why is it so significant? that churches have worship um, as a culture, but also as a ministry emphasis. Why is that so critical? Why is it so critical? So I think Jesus sort of opens a window on it when he's he's talking to the woman at the well in John chapter four. Um, you know, he tells her that, that, that God is seeking true worshipers mm -hmm. to worship him. Um, in spirit and in truth. And, 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 you know, it's easy to just kind of read through that and say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But if you stop and think about what he's saying there, it's actually fairly profound mm -hmm. that this is the thing that God is seeking. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of implications to, to that statement, uh, because from that, you see the importance of redemption, right? And, and apart from redemption, the worthlessness of any worship we could offer right towards God right like that was the his his death on the cross is what what made it possible because otherwise even if you were worshiping you would still end up in hell right like that yeah. would that would so um the, yeah our capacity was for worship was 
messed up in the garden. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you see the the reason for it, but then you see that God is seeking this thing and he wants people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And then as you study out scripture, and this is what we get into uh, in the prayer and worship class, but as you study out scripture and you see what's happening in the throne room of God day and night, in mm-hmm. the presence of God, what happens when you're in Isaiah chapter six, when you're in Revelation, it's worship, yeah. right? Um, and so that is what God is seeking. That is what God deserves. Uh, and so you you can't have a healthy church mm-hmm. apart from that. Yeah. Because that that's that's an eternal thing that's taking place in the presence of God. And, and uh, as the saints gathered here and as a local church, that has to be at the core of what it is that we're doing. So when we say worship ministry, I mean, I think every church probably has a, a slightly different structure uh, associated with that. But when, when we say worship ministry, what do, what do we mean by that? So when we say worship ministry, typically what we're referring to in specific is the audible aspect of it in terms of praise mm-hmm. uh, as being a, a, a component of. And as you study out biblical praise, biblical praise is a form of worship. You can read in Psalms and in Hebrews about the sacrifice of praise, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and because in in worship, biblical praise is being offered to God, right? God and God alone. You're not doing this for anybody else's benefit. Right. Um, you're offering it to, to God and it's in recognition of who he is exclusively and what it is that he's doing. And, and praise is, I think, distinct and um, special because it's this audible form and it's this thing that we can do as a local church um, together as one unified voice. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in worship of God. The other thing that I'm reminded of is you think about the role that Lucifer had, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you read about, um, you know, him and, and how God created him with his pipes. And, and the, like, so he was essentially, a lot of people look at that and they say, uh, you know, that he was the first worship leader, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as you, you read uh, the Genesis account of creation and you compare that with what's stated in Job about the sons of God, uh, right? This sort of singing and, and, and shouting when, yeah. when at the creation time and, and what's, uh, what you can infer from from that is that the, the accompaniment, if you will, um, that the person that provided accompaniment for that music was Lucifer. Mm-hmm. And so you see the role of it in, in, in eternity past um, and how critical it is. Uh, and, and that's supposed to be playing out in churches today in, in the context of God's glory and God's people bringing him glory. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, with that in mind, so that's the, the praise component to that. When we say worship though, there's other aspects of that within the context of what we do as a church. And yes. so what, what else might it include if we're talking about worship ministry? What else would, if it was a, if the definition itself appropriately represented all the aspects in which God wanted it to, to mean when, when the word worship was used, what, what other areas uh, that we, do we practically include in church that well, would be worshipful. It would have to be everything, yeah, right? Like right. that would be I the correct. That's what I'm trying to get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's the okay. I see where you're going. Yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> it would have to be everything um, if it's being done with the right attitude, because mm-hmm. we're doing everything as unto the Lord. Right. Um, and so it would have to be discipleship. It would have to be hospitality. It would have just any aspect of it, children's ministry, uh, because you're, if you're doing it with the right heart attitude, uh, you're doing it in acknowledgement of who God yeah. is. Right. So everyone in that regard is, is you know, participates in, in worship ministry. You mentioned Lucifer. Mm-hmm. 
things didn't end great in that story. No, it, 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 yeah, no, it didn't have a a positive outcome. No, 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 no. no. So we, we recognize that within the the framework of worship ministry, there's, there's room for disagreement. Um, the issue is that division can arise out of, of the work of worship. Like there's a, there's a possibility in every form of worship that, that the people become unharmonious and divided from one another because of, you know, self-focused ideas. And I think that when you're dealing with people who are especially trained creatives, Mm -hmm. that there is strong opinions and strong Mm -hmm. ideas about the direction of the sound, the sound of Mm -hmm. the style of uh, what's being produced. So what are some common dysfunctions that people experience in the context of worship ministry that you see not, you know, we're not talking about just our church, but the church at large, what are some common dysfunctional things that you see arising in that are troubling in worship ministry? Yeah. So let's start with um, the observation you made about you have creatives uh, and, you know, people with that could potentially have strong opinions about how um, stuff is. And I'm just reminded, you know, just over the years, it's amazing. You know, we, we have our practices and we're working through music and how somebody will make the observation that, you know, you can't do it that way. It has to be this way. Mm-hmm. And really what they mean by that is, no, I don't like it that way. I prefer it this way because yeah. a lot of it is subjective in terms of how many times do you play the intro or what style or what dynamic, like those things are, many of those things are, are, are subjective. But so some of the, so the reason I mentioned that is some of the dysfunction that comes out of it is, you know, in order to have a healthy worship ministry, the people that are a part of it have to be willing to die to self. Mm-hmm. And when there's a refusal to die to self and personal preference, um, then there there can a lot of discord can be sown because if you think about this, and I don't know if I can't remember if we talked about this in the in the last episode, but if I can't remember, maybe nobody yeah. else does too. Right. Yeah, it's worth uh, revisiting. <laughs> um, but if you think about it, in every other context of life where music is concerned, you're listening to exactly what you want to listen to. Yeah, and if you don't like it, you get to turn it off. Right. Except for when worship ministry comes together. Right. And you don't have that option anymore. Right. And then it's like, well, what is the goal here? Right. Is it, is it just your personal preference? What about in the, in the service, right? Where Mm -hmm. when it's not the song that you like, or for whatever reason, like, do you disengage? Uh, What if this song, although it's not your song, you got your brother in Christ who that's his favorite song, right? And they're engaged in it. And so, uh, so the first one would just be a willingness uh, or refusal in, in, in some cases to simply die to self and personal preference Mm -hmm. because um, God is should be the central focus, right? Yeah. yeah. So that would be one of the, um, I would say one of the common areas of dysfunction. Everybody has preaching styles that they prefer to. Mm-hmm. And you, you wouldn't ever say if someone stepped into the pulpit that their, and their preaching style didn't resonate with you, that you weren't just, you weren't going to listen to them. You're right. Right. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm shutting this person out because their style, this person's preaching the word of God and you don't have permission by God to shut that person out. Like right. those words aren't supposed to fall to the ground. So you you better get your catcher's mitt on because yeah. you, you have something to receive. And the same thing's true in worship too. Um, those preferences have to be put down because there's a there's a broader, there's a greater objective in mind. Absolutely. And and the thing that uh, you know, I'm reminded of and the thing that 
you know, it, God has continually taught me and is growing me in is that for the worship leader or the praise leader, um, the central burden has to be a burden for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Like that has to be yeah. the central thing that's that's driving the the decision making, not 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 personal preference. And and when people have that mindset of God's glory, not my personal preference, mm-hmm. then we can die to a lot of the things that we would prefer right. um, because uh, God's getting the glory. Uh, another thing that that uh, I think happens that can happen in worship ministry, and it's, I think it's fairly common, is when you have people in the ministry who's who's gifting, who's phys- like their musical gifting outpaces their character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, they can be, if you're, if you're not careful, they can be exalted and, and given this leadership position um, where, but spiritually they're not where they need to be. And uh, that can be incredibly destructive, right? And 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 it can hurt a lot of people uh, because you have this person that that people are looking to, and that's just a natural, I think, sort of humanistic thing where it's like you see this person in front of you all the yeah. time, and you begin to view them a particular way, right? And 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 then when their lifestyle does not uh, meet what they what it is they sing about. That becomes problematic uh, in one of two ways. People become disillusioned, right? Um, or people take that as a license to yeah. go live however they want to live, sure, right? Because sure. if the worship leader is doing it, um, and when I say worship leader in this regard, I'm talking about anybody you have on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, there is the person that, the the key person leading it, but uh, everybody that's on stage that you see there consistently um, is being viewed yeah, they're under a microscope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is a big deal too, because I think in Christianity at large, the way most churches function is that they hire in the talent, if you will, to, yeah. be, to be crude about it. You know, they hire in. And so um, they don't know the character of that person. They see a resume um, and they have a lot of hope. You yeah, know? I find that appalling. <laughs> Then tell us why. Maybe, maybe tell us why that's so appalling. Why that? Why that is troubling? Because it um, it speaks to a, a need for discipleship, and it's such a, a critical. It's such a critical role. Um, you you really can't afford to have there be uh, a, a misstep there or or putting the wrong person mm-hmm. um, in place. And uh, you need to prove out the people that you're putting in 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 front of your congregation. Uh, to lead them in, in prayer and worship. So it that just sets the stage for further dysfunction in multiple ways, right? I mean, we, we can think about this just philosophically where you're bringing a person in there's no way they they have the DNA of your your culture, uh, and anybody, any smart person, can answer questions in such a way. They can do enough research about the church they're applying to work at that they can answer all the questions in the right way, even when they don't necessarily hold those beliefs, right? Yeah. And you know, it's not lost on me that that can still happen in the context of a discipleship. Um, approach, uh, but certainly uh, the discipleship approach is better at proving leaders out. Yeah, um, if you are, um, you know, doing it appropriately. Yeah. Certainly, observation over yeah two, three, or four years, whatever it might be, is preferable to you know a hope and a prayer. Absolutely, that this guy's going to work out or this whoever it is, right? Like, yeah, character is everything right? Um, DNA is everything. Approach to God's word, that's everything. We can't afford to be flippant about who we put in front 
of our congregation, unless we're also flippant about the outcomes of their character. Right. Yeah. And I am reminded of, I was looking at this story this morning um, and, and I can't remember who taught on this. I think it was Pastor Morgan um, a couple years back. Second Samuel, what is it? Um, chapter 18, the story, uh, this is after they're in the battle and David wants to know the outcome of the battle and if his son is still Mm-hmm. Um, you know, alive, right? And so I think the first guy's name was uh, Cushy, mm-hmm. and um, and he's uh, he's dispatched right to go and give David the news, and so he's running. Did I say his name right? No, it just it just funny it's a funny name. name. It yeah, it's funny, like it's I don't know if I got it right. No, um, and uh, so he's dispatched to run and give the news, and he's doing that. And this other guy, uh, I think his name is pronounced Ahimaz. Mm-hmm. Um, He's like he wants to go and share the news, and you 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 read in Second Samuel eighteen how he he outruns Cushy, right? So yeah. in this example, Ahimez is actually more talented, right? Like right. he's 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 outrunning Cushy, and he gets there first um, to David, and then when David asks him the key question though about what happened to his son, he's got nothing. Yeah. Right. He comes up short, mm-hmm. and although Cushy rises a little bit later, he's got the experience. Yep. Right. And, and, and so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and there's a lot to be learned from that in terms of putting proven leaders in who may not be as talented, Mm -hmm. um, but, but they've got, uh, experience, um, and, and are therefore more valuable, uh, over a longer period of time because the, you, you're just not going to see the, the types of mistakes that you would see in someone who's, uh, not as proven. And that kind of leads me to my next thought. Um, and that's this idea of expectations, so just like you can have um, maybe a false view of leadership, the expectations associated with that le- leadership can also be false or misguided. So wh- how important are expectations in worship and where, where you know, is the church maybe getting this area wrong? So when you say expectations, I guess that's a broad area, but so I'll try to answer that and then you can, I'll trust you to okay. kind of clarify sure. expectations. You know, the first thing that I think of is, you know, what are churches expecting of the worship ministry? Mm-hmm. And one of the areas that I, I find to be dysfunctional um, is expecting the worship ministry to be the magnet that brings people in. Mm-hmm. A draw. Yeah, a draw. And I think that that can it can lead a worship ministry down a, a dangerous path that's sort of a slippery slope, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, we want it to be kind of slick and and this thing that is is appealing. And um, you know, I'm reminded of why I started going to KCBT mm-hmm. because which is the church that you and I grew, yeah, up, grew up at. Yeah, the church yeah. we grew up at. And I had never heard the worship music. But I heard the gospel. I had the Bible open to me while I was in high school in a question and answer Bible study. Um, and it changed my life. And I knew I was going to be going to that church even before I had heard the music. Mm-hmm. And so the magnet for me was not, and if anybody knows I me, mean, you know I love gospel, right? Yeah, like right. That's, that's my thing. Right. Uh, but the magnet for me was uh, God. Yeah. Like God has to be the magnet um, that draws. And when God's working in people's lives, it's like, I got to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we if, if, if the if the numbers aren't what they should be in the church and we're like, oh, we're, we're not growing. You know, I always say you don't have a worship ministry problem like you have a discipleship evangelism problem. Right. right? Like people need to be encountering God. And when that happens, they show up. I showed up. The music was completely different from anything I could have expected or anticipated. Mm-hmm. But I was just happy to be a part of what God was doing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So in terms of expectation, um, you know, you want to facilitate an atmosphere where people are encountering God. I think right. that's the the best thing you can you can strive for with a, with a worship ministry is are people encountering God. Right. And I think that speaks to kind of what I was I was getting at. You know, I was trying to lead you to to address the issue of conjuring experience. You know, in a worship set, I think worship leaders feel this pressure of of being the draw. So hence the laser light shows or whatever it might be, whatever, you know, variable they introduce in order to produce something that's more of an emotional experience. Um, they begin to do that because there's pressure that they be, that there be a show, mm -hmm. right? Like the people are coming to see a show and, and the truth is um, God is the show, <laughs> right? Yeah. He's the show and um, you can't see him, uh, but you can know him in your heart and you're supposed to meet with him there. And the, the worship is really just a, a conduit to meeting with God. The praise music is only just a conduit. And I think that's that false expectation that you kind of addressed. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because as you see people in the presence of God in the scriptures, there's this, there's this sort of simultaneous thing taking place where they are, they are you know, of course, uh, amazed by the glory of God, but they're also uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like it's not like a, if this, they're even standing up, if they're even right. standing up. Right. So it's this thing where there's this reckoning taking place yeah. um, in people's hearts and minds because it was more than they could have anticipated. And so we, we can't lose sight of that. Like just the, the reality of being in God's presence, there's some things that got to be dealt with right. when you're there. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so there is a challenge that is, that is usually presented to um, the believer in, in, in God's presence because it's it's God. Yeah. What about this this aspect of um you know the 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 showcase um the the or even just the concert driven aspect of of ministry. Why is that what are some of the compounding effects of having that approach to praise? The compounding effects, well let's kind of break that down a little bit and just go back to what I said the the central burden has to be is God's glory, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we begin to go down this road of the the concert and the and the showcase, obviously we're already in this area of dysfunction because it's not about it's it's shifted. It's not God's glory. It's it's mm -hmm. it's our glory, right? Mm -hmm. Or the glory of the of this worship ministry. And 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 then what are the goals that are supposed to be coming out of of that, like, is the worship ministry a platform to promote your musical career? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, in some cases, the growth of your album, like, is that the central objective or is it God's glory? And so I think it, it completely uh, compromises the decision making that takes place mm -hmm. in terms of, of what songs you pick. Um, and and how you you sort of structure the the worship ministry and then who you allow in it and then I think one of the probably the the quickest things that begins to happen is you will choose talent over character mm -hmm. because um, in an immediate sense that's of greater value right because if it's if it's, it has to be right not yeah. right righteous yeah yeah right. so if it's just about purely about execution. Mm -hmm. Um, then, then the most talented people are are always going to have the advantage, right? Even when their lifestyle doesn't, yeah, match up. It makes me think about the gospel music industry a little bit. You did you know I was going to go here? Uh oh, touchy I give, subject. I, I give Eric a hard time yeah. about this because 
while I know that there are lots of really, uh, you know, wonderful things going on in the, in gospel music, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but there's also this, this issue, this problem mm -hmm. of, Absolutely. of, of the showcase and the, the runs and the, who can do this, that, that better. And, um, and it, it, it does create a distraction where the people are getting that album or they're watching that performance or they're in a worship set and they're no longer thinking about the glory of God. They're thinking about, you know, that sister can sing, right? It's dangerous, but we all have our own version of that. Like that's one cultural version of that. Yeah. But th that exists it, in every sort of culture or form of, of music. Yeah, it's it's appalling actually, right? I would agree with that. Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, it's a problem. And I think the impact of it, as you kind of think through, um, you know, what are people doing is, is I think it can even sort of contaminate the, the, the church in terms of decision-making on a personal level with just congregation in, in terms of how they make decisions in their own life, because yeah, explain that. this is the thing that's being exalted is this sort of personal level of excellence and, and show, mm -hmm. right. And so that, 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 that's contagious. Um, and, and when that is preferred, um, then you can see that running rampant in terms mm. of spiritual dysfunction in, in the church where there's a preference towards um, the right look, um, the right, the, you know, the, the outward appearance and, and not what's really going on on the inside, inside of people. Yeah. So then ministry becomes about being polished and, and the outward appearance of a thing but not about the content or the, you know, the proper outcome. Yeah. Or the life of the, of the worship leader. Right. right. Like, I mean, it's, you know, um, I'm like, Oh, do I say it? Do I go there? But this is something that I've observed. It's like, okay, so you have these talented worship leaders vocally, right. Mm -hmm. But you are also pregnant and you're not married uh, or you've got, you know, multiple kids and you're, still not married, you know, like, yeah. and you know, it's like that stuff. It's mind boggling. I didn't really, I'm, I don't know much about Christian music in mm -hmm. general, but it is, it is troubling the stories I've heard uh, relayed to me about what is actually going on behind the scenes that, that people are completely dismissing. They've gotten attuned. They've, they've grown accustomed to the fact that the people that are leading them in songs that specifically use the name of Jesus Christ, that it's okay that their lives are terrible reflections of what Christ expects from his followers. Mm -hmm. Like they've grown okay with that. So they look past it because of, because it provides them with the content they want, not the, you know, awakening that they need, I suppose. Yeah, and this is something I was kind of thinking about the other day. So you think about Jesus saying, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? Mm -hmm. And as you meditate on the reality of what that means, that 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 God, you know, God is holy. Yeah, that's that's a part of His nature, and His commandments are uh, a, a manifestation or an expression of His holiness. Like you, you can't part, you can't divide the two, right? right. Like they are. You can't say you love God and then uh, live a lifestyle that is totally contrary to His commandments. You have rejected God. Yeah, it's not compatible. It, they're not. They're incompatible. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about that, um, and 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 the lifestyle of of, of, of that people can live sometimes. The problem with worship ministry is it can give this illusion of spirituality. Yes. When in reality, 
um, you have lost sight of how far you truly are from God. Yeah, yeah, man, that's that's good. That's powerful. And uh, it's just a dangerous place to be in. And, uh, you know, I pray and, and with the Lord every day, right? Working through, you know, Mark Trotter um, has had a huge impact on my life mm-hmm. in terms of what he has taught in terms of your personal prayer and talking to the Lord about you every day, your flesh, yeah. And, yeah. and making sure you get it all out there so that you don't find yourself in a place where you're just completely living totally contrary to um the what, words, the words of, yeah. of of God, and and you've rejected God. Whether you sing about it, it doesn't matter. You you've rejected God. Yeah, no, it's it's good, and and we need to hear that. And so the next question follows that. You know, how do we go about as churches, as leaders, avoiding the pitfalls that we just talked about, like all of those things that are possible in our flesh, those things that can kind of rise to the surface, and our desire to seek attention or be affirmed by people or whatever it might be. How do we avoid those pitfalls so that we can actually do the things that God has purposed us to do? So I think in that regard, it really, I don't think there's any uh, sort of new insight here. It really comes down to just the fundamentals of the Christian life, right? Uh, And so what comes to mind is, you know, is there, are we making disciples? Is that something that is truly important and and what are the fundamentals that that when you think about discipleship that that we want to see come out of discipleship well you want to see uh, a, a consistent relationship with God through his word mm-hmm. right uh, you want to see accountability in the, the the word of God are those things truly taking root in the life of the um, of the believer um, where your worship leaders are concerned are we promoting too quickly? Yeah. Um, I remember just when we started here at Midtown, how um, Sam was very clear um, with with me. And at, at the time it was uh, Rosie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of years later, it was Brian. But Sam was very clear. I don't feel comp- I don't have peace about putting anybody in as a leader. So you're all going to submit to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it was, you know. Um, and, you know, that was I wasn't expecting that outcome. I thought he was going to. He'll hear this. I thought he was going to um, ask me to lead at that time. Yeah. Uh, because the previous worship leader were like, yeah, you're the guy, Eric. Like, yeah, you, you, you know, uh-huh. and then here comes Sam. He's like, nope, <laughs> right. not happening. Um, but so uh, pastors need to have the if you want to say courage um, to not promote quickly and to require people to submit to each other uh, and prove leaders out. And this is the one of the things that I really value about uh, the way that you lead the team. You know, that, that, that principle, that approach has been instilled in you. And, and so you uh, make sure to check in with pastors and leaders that have oversight of the people that are on your team. In other words, you also want people of character and commitment to Christ on your team. And so you're, you're making sure that, that, Hey, is, is this person submitted? You know, have they been discipled? Have they um, been consistent in fellowship? You know, are they under the teaching of God's word? Are they consistent in their investment? Are they actually living and functioning as believers? You check in and make sure that the, the pastors and the leaders are like, yeah, that person is upright. Or, hey, I am noticing that there is this this character flaw, and you respect that and you take that into consideration when you you know when you build your team. Absolutely, and and the thing that um, God shown me is that you know what do you need to worship? 
well, a willingness to, to, to worship and your voice, right? So it's the idea that it has to be, this is a problem with having that, that perfect show and that showcase mentality mm-hmm. where you'll keep people on stage that shouldn't be there. Like, well, it's just, okay, we're just not going to have a bass player this Sunday. Yeah. Right. We're just not going to have a drummer this Sunday and that's okay. We can still worship the Lord. If we don't have people that are ready, uh, we don't, we don't just put anybody up there to fill right. a slot. Um, and you know, if we, if I just need to sit down and play myself, I'll play. Uh, but that's the idea is there, there is an expectation of, how we should be living. And if we got things, if we need to take some time off, then we'll take time off to make sure we get it adjusted. Yeah, that's good. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. My name is Blade Spiza. I'm from Living Faith Lee Summit in the Kansas City, Missouri area. And I just want to share a little bit about LFBI. It feels like a commercial, and I don't want it to be that. I actually want to speak to you just as an individual who loves God and wants to serve God and give your life to Him. LFBI, though it may seem academic, is actually an opportunity for you to have an intimate walk with the Lord. And you know, you go through discipleship, you get involved in ministry, and, and as you continue to grow, God gives you stuff and you begin investing in people. And a lot of times, uh, as you begin investing in people, you, you fail to get fed yourself. And so I know for me, as a growing leader in ministry, I've, I've found seasons in my life that are really dry. And LFBI has been amazing for me just to be reminded of, about how awesome the Word of God is and how faithful God has been and, and how perfect God's Word is for me. And uh, I would just encourage you this semester to, to take on a little bit more. Maybe you're thinking, I don't, ha- I don't have time. <laughs> I, I'm so busy. You know, I, I feel like I'm just doing too much. I, I want to encourage you that LFBI doesn't have to be academic. You can actually approach God's Word devotionally in that time and trust Him to speak to you in the quietness of a classroom setting. If you're on the fence about LFBI, I just want to encourage you to get started uh, by signing up for a class. If you've never done it, I encourage you to to hop in maybe to a Bible survey class or foundations. Um, if, If you've been doing LFBI for a little while and you understand the workload, take on a little bit more. Step out in faith. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org support. So here's a question that we hinted at in our previous episode on worship and praise. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of joked about it, but we didn't actually go in depth on, and I think it's, it's I want to ask you, I want to hear your thoughts. Oh, my heart's beating. Like, no, no, no. Dun, dun, dun. No, you, okay. should, you should be anticipating this. Okay. We've talked about this many times before. So why, why, and, and you've kind of answered this in some regard at the beginning of the episode, but why is it dangerous, perhaps? That might be a heavy word to use. Why should we be cautious about employing a traditional worship service and a contemporary worship service, what, separating those t- two? What can that do to the congregation in terms of the outcomes of worship that you want? Why should we be careful of doing that kind of thing? Yeah, so good question. I'm actually glad you asked that because that was, yeah, I was yeah. hoping we might get to that. Um, so the reason why is, is as I study scripture and I see when God's people gather to worship, the principle that I see is one of unity mm-hmm. and they're gathered together singing as one. Mm-hmm. And so the question that I have to ask myself is you're telling me that for 30 minutes a week, people can't set aside their personal preferences and choose to engage together 
in worship, meaning I won't come to church unless it's the traditional stuff I love, or I won't sing unless it's the progressive music that I love. So with us having, you know, two services, it was a decision that I made that I'm not going to break this up where I'm sort of encouraging this division of maybe perhaps older people versus younger people sure. within the church be, so that they can hear their personal favorite style of music. No, this is this is the food that's on the table this Sunday, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah. we're all going to eat it. Yeah. Um, and we're going to come together as one. And I'm going to prefer my brother over me. And so some of the songs will be a little bit more traditional. Some will be um, a little bit more contemporary. Right. And we're going to prefer each other and we are all going to engage together, young, old, black, white, mm-hmm. Asian, Hispanic, um, Arab. Yeah. Together. Yeah. As one. That is the that's the goal. And and so I just personally feel passionately about that, that I don't want to create services that sort of create these artificial distinctions. Right. right. But I also think that speaks to the need to be eclectic, too. So if you're not going to do that. Um, I think you do have to decide, determine that you are going to have a mixture of styles that represents the, the cultures that exist within your body because we all need a taste of that. Yeah. So, it, and, and so my thought on that though, is that that's a function of discipleship, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm developing leaders, so when I, when Sam did ask me to lead the worship ministry, I was leading every Sunday, He never came to me and said, I only want you leading twice a month and I want you to give away the other half to different people. Mm -hmm. That was a decision that, you know, God laid on my heart. And I said, you know, in order for people to grow, they've got to have an opportunity to lead. And it can't just be when the worship leader is out of town or unavailable. Right. Um, We won't make a lot of traction there. And so the eclectic worship that we have um, is 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 a byproduct of of a burden to see other leaders develop, and then uh, when it's their Sunday to lead, they're going to lead in 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 styles that are different, right? right? Because they came up differently and, and yeah. appreciate different types of music, and so it has in that regard become eclectic, which is good. That but see, that's the beauty of discipleship and how. When you're just making disciples, it kind of accounts for all of that mm-hmm. because you have people that are talented musicians that come up um, from different styles. And so when Brian leads, it's 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 a style. When Jeff leads, it's a style. When when Kaya Temple Worship leads, mm-hmm. you know, when Rosie leads, when I lead, and uh, but that was not necessarily the target as much as it was. Let's a natu- develop. It leaders. was, a, and it was a natural outcome of discipleship. Plus, absolutely having a church that looks like the community yeah. that it's in. That's yeah, that's but that's that kind of goes back to the, just the core of making disciples. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we we've, we've been talking about praise and about worship ministry. Um but the class is prayer and worship. And so there's this component of prayer that we need to address mm-hmm. because it is a critical part of of worship, right? It it is in and of itself a form of worship, but it also informs the way in which we outwardly express worship as well. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe talk about the relationship between prayer and worship? Why do those things work together so importantly? Yeah, it's it's important because prayer, of course, is communication with God. 
And so when you think about uh, this is just one, again, those sort of basic fundamentals of the faith is time with God. And you see that it modeled in Jesus life, right? As he would just get away and wake up early and uh, pray all through the night, just this time with God. And then what are you doing in prayer with the with the Lord? Of course, you, you have your supplications and the requests that you make, but, um, you know, have you ever just set aside time to just acknowledge who God is, right? Mm -hmm. And as you read through the Psalms and you see all of these Psalms that are just uh, just devoted to acknowledging who God is yeah. and and worship. And so it's so critical to the health of, of uh, healthy spiritual life um, to be able to do that personally in prayer and, and know that that was time well spent. I have found that when I can set aside time to do that, uh, just acknowledge who God is and be there, you know, I come away um, feeling renewed yeah, and changed. Yeah. So like the declarative part of, so you're, you're, you're making a correlation between, you know, when we praise out loud, a lot of that is declarative, mm -hmm. right? Um, but when we, sometimes when we sit down to pray, a lot of it is we're interceding on our own behalf. Give it's me, like give we're me, making give supplication me. for, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and we lose sight of the declarative aspect of sitting before God. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're implying. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a it's a it's a it's a significant component of a healthy prayer life is just spending time with the Lord in 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 recognition of who He is. And I think it it what it does to me another benefit is that it just it opens your eyes and reminds you that it's not all about you. Mm -hmm. That there is a greater plan at work, um, and we just get to be a part of that. Yeah. But but God is this thing that God is doing is massive. It's big. And and I'm just grateful to be along for the ride and on the right side. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think that's why it's refreshing though, too. Because when you realize how small you are and how big God is, um, then it takes all the pressure of your day. It takes all the pressure of the ministry. It takes all the pressure of your relationship. It takes that pressure off of you. And you can kind of fit within his plan. Which so often in prayer, we're trying to make him fit within our plan. Yeah. 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 It just renews your focus. It does. Just, it yeah. really does. So, you know, a similar question to that is, you know, in worship ministry um, or in, in praise ministry or whatever it might be, how do you go about making God's word uh, the central aspect of worship? And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying this, you know, I'm thinking about how common it is for us to just appropriate uh, the culture of the world. And so, so much of our praise ministry has a tendency to look like expectations that we retrieve in our worldly or fleshly realities, right? In a, in a secular reality, we pull that stuff into the church and then, and then praise begins to look like the music industry or whatever, the expectations that we gather other places. And I think a lot of times we make praise and worship about experience mm -hmm. because that's what we expect from music is just the experience. Not that it shouldn't be experiential. We don't want to rob it of that. There's something very experiential about praying and praising in harmony with other people. There's It's transcendent by nature. Mm -hmm. You get all the feels. Yeah. Like we know that. Mm -hmm. But but I think with that, there's a danger. And I think that there's a need for the word of God to be central uh, because it keeps us aligned with him. Can you explain how important it is 
to have the word of God sit at the center of a, a praise set or a time of worship or, or a season of prayer or whatever it might be? Why is it that God's word needs to be at the center of that thing? Obviously, because it, it, God is our compass, right? It, it, it keeps us from not going astray. What I'm reminded of when you say this, and particularly when you're talking about the tendency of churches and, and, and praise and worship ministries to want to sort of retrieve stuff that they saw, mm-hmm. uh, I'm reminded of the story uh, with the children of Israel where they go to Samuel and they basically say, hey, give us a king like all the other nations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We want a king, right? Mm-hmm. And it was completely um, out of God's timing and, and a rejection of God. And that is, I feel like, rampant in worship ministries where, and in perhaps our worship leaders listening, where it's like you go and you see another church or another concert and immediately you're like, we should be doing yeah. that. We need right. to have that. Give me that. And so I've learned over the years, and it's not to say that you can't learn from other worship ministries, but I've, I've learned over the years to take a sober look at the other things that I'm seeing in other churches uh, before I bring it back in and say, give me that. Uh, and to really put it before the Lord in terms of, is this something that we want? A lot of what I see out there, um, you know, the function of a healthy worship ministry is to facilitate the worship of the local church, that local church structure, uh, not to build a, a music brand that where your band is traveling every week from mm-hmm. church to church and and nobody's under the consistent teaching of God's word and the mm-hmm. people, you know, like none of. And so I've learned to look at it through that lens of how is this really edifying the local church ministry here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so with that, I think the the leaders in terms of how do we keep it central, we we have to always be willing to ask, is this biblical? And to not make assumptions and put it before the Lord. Yeah. Um, so we, I don't, you know, adjustments we don't make quickly. Um, and, you know, if I make an adjustment, it's, I've probably been thinking about it if, you know, a year or two mm-hmm. uh, before we begin to make these uh, adjustments. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't look at other, other things and say, okay, let's do that right now. Yeah. And what about your time with your, your praise team? I mean, you guys, I know this because we've talked, but Mm -hmm. I want you to share about it. I mean, you guys spend time in the word together, but also there's a devotional aspect to our praise here. Um, We don't, we're not afraid to pause worship uh, to worship in the word. Mm -hmm. Like we're not afraid to pause praise music, I suppose. Right. And in order to worship in the word of God and and, and meditate on the specific words, Um, you know, how did that come to be and how do you cultivate that? So that came to be by uh, just a, a, a additional burden I had to want to be able to encourage people, um, the congregation in in worship. Um, and, you know, I was just, just kind of discussing this topic actually a few weeks ago with a brother in Christ. You know, it's not what I try to do is, you know, my sort of expectation of myself, if you will. Uh, and, and I think it's a reasonable expectation for everybody is as you're reading, if you're in the word daily, right, you ought to have something that you that 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 is a reason to praise God for mm-hmm. right uh, and so I don't have to manufacture something new or different uh, when I'm sharing with the congregation it's what God it's fresh it's what God has shown me um, as being a reason to worship and it again it, it centers us it brings us back to the the purpose and the focus it not being about us but about about God and so I think it's healthy um, when people have context sometimes about a song and, and why it was chosen mm-hmm. um, and how it relates to the word uh, of God. Um, 
and why we should worship. And so it's just, it was just a desire to, to want to communicate through the word why it is we should be worshiping. Mm-hmm. And this even impacts the, the song selection itself, right? So avoiding songs that play on experience uh, or of some sort of abstract notion of who God is and, and selecting songs or even adjusting songs so that they do fit within, you know, our biblical framework. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, there are a lot of songs that I, I, I've, I've listened to that I liked in terms of the, the melody of it or just the sound of it or mm-hmm. like it's, but then when I stop and I think about, okay, what are they actually singing about? And is this something that I want to introduce into, if I can use this term, sort of the ecosystem of our church where yeah. people are remembering this and singing it to themselves? What are we actually singing? And 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 some of the stuff that's out there is truly devoid of what I would consider to be strong biblical content that encourages God's people and 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 builds them up in the word and mm-hmm. and worshiping from a place of victory. This is another important thing that um, can happen sometimes with worship leaders is they can treat the, the the song selection as sort of their personal diary where it's like, okay, because I've been struggling, I'll pick these songs and they're a little sad and, and, um, and you can find yourself sort of in an area of dysfunction there where it's like Sunday, that's, that's resurrection day. Mm-hmm. We are victorious in Christ, right? Yeah. Uh, and and so it's healthy for the worship leader to remind himself or herself of that, and to re- and and to that should be reflected in the music. And and early on in our days, um, you know, I I saw some of that where it's like because you know, I love personally, right? I love mm-hmm. a, a ballad. Like yeah. just the, you yeah. know, like, it, but okay, you can't, it's not like bring a pillow to church, right? So right. where it's like putting people to sleep, you know? So it's like, um, we need to uh, remember that we are victorious in Christ. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing that I think God's people need to be encouraged in. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that's one of the things I love about the Psalms is that you find every sort of problem there brought before the Lord. But so often in the, in the, the Psalms and great majority, there is a, perhaps a personal dilemma, but by the end of the Psalm, we arrive at this place of victory. And I really like that in the rhythm of a worship set too, in in a praise set, when it's like, you know, there's a call to worship and then there's this like reflection on who we are. You know, there might be some sort of depravity (laughs) that we need to put before the Lord and recognize who we are. But then we always end in this, this victorious, you know, declaration because as we enter into opening the word, we have to know that we're actually victors. Yeah. And um, if there was ever a, a valid criticism of gospel music, it's that it, it, you know, the gospel music that I grew up with, Mm -hmm. it was always this sort of overemphasis on the struggle Mm -hmm. and we never arrived at victory. Mm -hmm. And that can shape the mindset of how people think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where we're not living as victors in Christ, but we're we're always on a, on the struggle side and on the on the victim side, mm-hmm. and and we're not seeing the promises of Christ for what they are today. Yeah. And how we can live in that. Yeah. No, that's all. That's really good, Eric. You've provided us with tons of insight today, and I know that you have more of that to offer. Tell us uh, a little bit about the class. Uh, I mean, we've already seen enrollment is already high. Like, there's our it's already a pretty big class. I think a lot of people are interested in in 
learning about this. I've not seen the numbers, so I, di- I didn't know. Yeah, I'll have to double check them and, yeah. and send you a text. But <laughs> but yeah, it's it, you know people are ready to hear this, and and we want more people to if if they feel led to to be a part. What are they? Uh, what should they be expecting from the class? Yeah, so you should be expecting uh, us to deal a a lot starting with the why, mm-hmm. and sometimes you know we can or maybe perhaps overemphasize the what and we don't truly understand the why. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to take time to really break down the under, the why for worship. Why is that so significant? Why is that um, sort of the central thing that's driving um, how God is working? And we're going to look at that from scripture. Uh, then we'll get to the what, right? And we'll yeah. talk about what what biblical worship is. We'll talk about the relationship between that and and the the praise and worship ministry. Uh, and then we'll we'll talk about what that looks like needs to look like in the life of the believer in terms mm-hmm. of worship, uh, and then of course we will deal with prayer uh, in 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 the reality of the the believer's life and and why that's a significant part of um, how we worship God and and for me just in going through the content, um, you know it has been transformative, right? And mm-hmm. uh, God has shown me so much. Uh, and my prayer life has changed as a, as a result of it. And my prayer is that it would be a blessing to God's people. I'm sure it will be. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm signing up, by the way. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll be. Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm not there to assess you. Okay, this guy. Not really. Not really. I mean, if it happens by accident. A little bit. Yeah. I'll get a text like, hey, bro, (laughs) next week, if you could. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. But hey, man, thanks for hanging out and having this conversation with us. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be really edifying and challenging to everybody's worship, but I think especially to to people who participate in praise and worship in their local churches. I think there's a lot of really good things to glean. So thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for allowing me. Yeah, of course. Anytime. And we want to thank you as well for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. Uh, We love you guys. We're so grateful for you. Um, You know, we originally started this show with the intention of just, you know, highlighting the classes, just like the way we did today is like the idea of The Postscript is like, what kind of questions would a student ask if they could sit down with their professor and pick their brain or whatever it might be. And so this is this this, uh, class and this episode are a great example of how that might work. But uh, the goal really is to invite you to, to join the classes and, and um, so that you can grow and you can learn and, and you can gain more than what we even have to offer here uh, on the show. And we love you and we take your prayer and worship really seriously and, and we want to encourage that and help cultivate that in you. So if you're interested in that, uh, lfbi.org is where you will sign up for this class or any of our classes. Uh, this coming month, we will be announcing the summer classes. So uh, if whenever this episode comes out, uh, March will be announcing uh, the, the self-paced summer courses for those of you who are interested in those classes. But either way, there is still time to sign up for prayer and worship. Uh, we're grateful for this time that you've spent with us this week. We love you so much. We're, we're thankful for you and your time. And we hope to see you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.